Are we in the most hated bull market in history? The S&P is up 17% so far this year, and the Nasdaq 100 is up 43%. The highest number of people since 2008 are invested in the stock market, yet institutions haven't participated. And sentiment is not happy. What's going on? Well, at Real Vision, we'll be talking to the world's best investors and thinkers to answer that question in Crash or Boom, how to profit from what's coming. This is a really important topic, and this two-week special series starts on September the 11th with what I think is coming. I'll lay it all out for you, and then we'll hear from the others. Go to realvision.com forward slash big question to get all the details. That's realvision.com forward slash big question, all lowercase, to get all the details. Don't miss out. Is inflation too hot to handle? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Tommy Thornton, founder of Hedge Fund Telemetry. Hey, Tommy, it's great to see you. Nice seeing you too, Maggie. I have a big smile on my face and I'm laughing because Tommy's literally trading as we went on air, um, which I think only he can get away with doing. So uh, I'm done. I'm done now, <laughs> done now. I think. For now. <laughs> if you see him looking at his screen, that's what he's doing. Um, but so let's let's talk about this inflation number. We, we know that they've been closely watched because they've have lately had the tendency to move the market. So the CPI comes in hotter than expected. A lot of it's energy, but even core still running above what the Fed would like to see. Stocks initially shrugged it off or, or they've kind of whipped around all day. Um, but the Nasdaq's kind of consistently um, been hanging in there, hanging tough today. Um, what do you what do you make of this? I mean, what do you did the number change anyone's expectations? It looks like the Dow's going to lower S&P up fractionally to the Nasdaq up a third, so the sort of the best performer of the three today. But what did you make of the number? Did it change anything for you? Not really. I, I it was a mixed type of uh, report that we were expecting because we expected the core to drop and the headline number to increase. And we've been seeing both go down together and cooling off. Uh, look, I, I think that one thing I mentioned to you back in July when we were on, I think it was early July, I said, I'm a little concerned about the base effects with energy prices potentially moving higher. And I was buying a lot of energy stocks and I was I had a full buy signal on crude in late, late June. And now I, truth be told, I have a sell signal on crude today. Mm. So I'm a, that's a DeMarc, uh, sell signal. So I'm a little uh, concerned. I sold uh, an energy position today, you know, really great return, uh, better than I anticipated. So that's good. But I think that, look, inflation, there's two risks and we've talked about it all year. Uh, it remains sticky and high or it starts to increase. And it's not really reflective in this number, but it could be for the August data, excuse me, the, yes, the September data next month when we get it. So it could be a little bit tricky. I do think the Fed's on hold this month, like everybody else. November's meeting is in early November. I think it's the second. So it could be a live meeting. They could raise another 25, but you also have uh, Q3 earnings that are gonna take place in October, or you know, you'll get the bulk of them. 
And if the market is reacting poorly to those earnings, then I think the Fed could pause. But the narrative remains that we're going to stay higher for longer. And with that in mind, it's still tightening. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, we've got the question about tightening and then folks are looking out through into sort of next year. Um, and there's still rate cuts. That's the interesting thing. The longer we go here talking about higher for longer, then you raise the question of these rate cuts. And I know that I think we're getting a dot plot update, you know, an update of their financial conditions in September. And a lot of people are starting to wonder, are we going to see a change on that? Andrea spoke with Michael Survey this week, who is concerned that the market is too optimistic when it comes to a Fed pivot. Let's have a listen to a clip from that, and then we'll talk on the other side. And I think what we will continue to hear from the Fed, and for that matter from the ECB, is that they will disagree with with, with the, the, the the discounting rate cuts next year, and basically sending the signal that 2024 we will, we will be on hold. Uh, and 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 so we need to see a lot more evidence of the recession, and particularly the U.S. recession, uh, before you can, can embrace a more bond-friendly uh, environment and a, and a more normal cyclical bond rally. I mean, if you look at macro, uh, if you build the macro models on, on kind of long yields or five, ten-year yields for the U.S. Uh, and look at it right now, with inflation where it is, with the labor market where it is, uh, with wage growth where it is, uh, with, with the Fed where it is, you should expect bond yields actually to be clearly higher than they are today. So the, let's call it the macro magnet is still for higher yields. So as long as the economy, you know, uh, moves along nicely here, yields should continue to climb. Uh, we need to see those clearly higher unemployment numbers, I would suspect, before we get into a more bond-friendly environment. That full conversation and all of the content from our series, Crash or Boom, How to Profit from What's Coming, is available on our website. If you're not a member, we just launched an amazing new platform. So now's the perfect time to come join our community, scan the QR code, and you'll get all the details you need to access all of that. So I don't know. Do you feel like that that we the market is going to have to come to terms with this, Tommy, about taking some of these rate cuts out? And what does that mean? Well, there's two elements that are happening right now. The Fed is, you know, they don't talk a lot about QT, but QT is still fully in effect. And I, and the Fed's balance sheet is still way too high for their liking, I'm sure, in case they have to pivot hard and enact QT or QE, excuse me. So if I think that's, you know, that's a high bar for that to happen. Mm. But look, if you go back and and review what happens after the first rate cut, it's usually after the market or some dislocation occurs. And I don't think the Fed's going to do any rate cuts unless something in the market occurs where it's some sort of liquidity event, something really dramatic. And that would take the market, the equity markets and the bond markets for that matter, to really dislocate and mm. sell off hard. And I think that's a possibility. And one of my main concerns has not necessarily been just the equity market selling off, but the bond market. And it's amazing if you go and you look at the inflows for TLT going back to March of 22, when the Fed started to hike rates, inflows just came pouring into TLT. And since then, it's down. And 
it, it's down about 33%, which it's a lot of yield uh, lost, but you still get all these, I get all these questions like, when can we buy bonds? Yes. And last month we saw the first outflows in TLT. And so far this month, we've seen outflows as well. So my concern is that if we see rates spike higher and become unruly, you could see a bond capitulation and rates really move higher. And I know that like Andy Constant was on the other day and a lot of other people are concerned about the treasury issuance that is coming. And look, they have to issue more debt. You're, it's gonna hit, I mean, you have the other part of it's gonna cause uh, uh, the deficit to spike because of the higher interest that we're paying. And, and you have a huge amount of for next year that's going to have to be issued as well because you have a lot of short-term stuff expiring. And mm. I think that that's a real risk that we'll see rates stay higher for longer. And look, maybe the Fed's going to, they'll see that and they'll have to cut rates. But historically, once they when they cut rates, you get a spike in the equity market, the bonds rally. But it, it takes more than five cuts to really start to make a difference. I mean, we talk about the lag effects when they hike rates. There's a lag effect when they cut rates. It's not like COVID and they're going to throw this, you know, bazooka and a half at uh, at the markets. That's not going to happen. So I think that there's there's a risk when they start cutting rates. There's probably something bad happening, and it, mm -hmm. I speculate it's probably something in the markets and the economy. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. I think we all know by now, things are pretty fucked out there for most of us. You see, whether it's currency debasement, rising real estate prices or wages that never go up, it's really hard. And one of the most popular things we ever did was that series How to Unfuck Your Future. So we're going to do it again. March 11th, March 22nd. We'll discuss the problems at hand, no holds barred, and then we'll give you all the tips you need to unfuck your future. It just costs a dollar to join Real Vision to get access to all of this content. Go to realvision.com forward slash the future. I'll see you there. Let's unfuck your future together. Which is, you're right. And I don't think that, well, let me ask you the question. Based on the positioning of the market right now, does it seem like people are anticipating that? Everybody's talking about it. Um, <laughs> Nobody's, yeah, but we still have all these, it's true. Everyone's talking about it, but everyone's been talking about the recession forever too. Um, and when you look at, I mean, look at, look at, let's talk about tech for a second, right? If that was, that was the scenario, you would think that maybe people would getting, be getting more cautious. And yet we see that relentless move higher. I think Microsoft is up today. Now the gains have slowed down for sure, but that sort mm -hmm. of sell-off, that rotation into sort of safer places to hide in the, in the event, something like that happens as doesn't seem to be happening. Do you see it happening under the hood? I think that it, I think these mega cap uh, tech names, the Magnificent Seven, are completely overbought. They're not cheap either. I mean, so people are are paying up for uh, companies that are fantastic companies. Nobody can deny that, but they're not cheap. 
And even if you look at Apple, they've had three quarters in a row of growth slowing. And I really don't, I mean, I don't see the next iPhone 15 being this needle mover that's going to get people that, oh, we're going to do this upgrade cycle. They've been saying that every sell side analyst has been saying, oh, there's this upgrade cycle coming. But Apple makes great phones and I don't need a new one. I don't need to spend $1,200 on a new phone that has a little better camera and whatever. I, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. So I think that Apple is really at risk and the stock trades poorly. And if it really, if it breaks the recent lows around 170, I think you could see a 10% pullback from there. And again, look, I love Apple. It's a great company, but I think their growth is slowing because they don't have any new products in the pipeline. And I, I think the same thing with Tesla. I think Tesla is really devoid of any new products that are going to move the needle. I mean, every, I mean, the bulls got all excited yesterday with Morgan Stanley upgrading the stock. And it was the most asinine upgrade I've ever read in my life. It was, it was something that they, they came out today and said, um, they said they they said oh we had this a lot of pushback on the note and they said it was a intern exercise for the summer to go through this and you know come up with this AI thesis for Tesla and Adam Jonas came out and said that their dojo supercomputer is worth 500 billion dollars 500 billion dollars that's like four times intel and I just found that to be absurd, like a lot of other valuations that he puts on Tesla. So I, I, I he pushed back on it. And then today he also said that that their quarter looks weak, their margins are going to be hit. They've had huge price cuts across the board on all their cars. And some people say, oh, that's genius because they're going to have more customers owning Tesla. But the bottom line is they've been a margin story and they have to cut prices to get demand to move the cars. And I, I just, I find it to be difficult to understand because they're gonna have a quarter over quarter decrease in deliveries. Their margins are gonna be down again. And I really don't see this new, you know, refresh with a new bumper and a couple other little things on their Model 3 that's gonna move the needle. And there's always the, Oh, in 2030, there's going to be, they're going to sell X amount of cars, but we're in 2023. And I just find the valuation to be absurd. And, and listen, I'm short the stock. I had a great year last year. I have a great record with it. I'm down a little in it right now, not by much, not, you know, anything to, you know, cause a panic. But the bottom line is, I think that people are way over estimating the power of where they are right now. And I think the Cybertruck, which I think is an abomination of a, of a automobile, I don't think that's gonna move the needle at all. And I think if anything, it's gonna be a drag on their earnings because it's not cheap to make. And it's, it's I mean, I, I wanna use a really negative word, but it's just horrendous looking. And uh, Nobody that's a, a serious truck owner is going to go out and, and buy this. Nobody, no construction worker is going to buy this. They're going to buy a Ford F-150, and that's the core of what they do. 
So anyway, I, I just, I, and I can't wait for all the comments. So, how, you know, clown, all that stuff. You know, I, I, I laugh at it. But, you know, the bottom line is I, I have my money with, with my bet on this. And if I'm wrong, I'll cover it and redeploy it at another time. Yeah. And that's what you do when you're a trader. You know, it's funny the way. So when you're when you're talking about this, it's always been the case, or for 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 many in this, it's really they're really buying Elon Musk, right? They're buying the the myth of Elon Musk. They're not really looking at the sort of sales and everything. They're just buying the idea that this guy knows yeah. what he's doing, and it's all over the place right now, right? He was in Capitol Hill testifying on AI. Yeah. Um, we saw SpaceX looks like. They're improving. Walter Isaacson's biography is coming out on him. I mean, everywhere you turn around, it's Elon Musk. Yeah, and the DOJ's investigating him. And even worse is the Southern District of New York is investigating them. And they're not, I mean, if you look back on the history of the SDNY, they go after whales. They're not afraid of going after whales in any way. And they... They're in. If Elon Musk and Tesla are in their sights, I I think that's a real negative potential out there. But look, that's not my thesis. My thesis is slowing demand, which is happening, and so that's that's how I see it. I, but look, that's not something. If I was long the stock, I'd be sleeping at night, thinking, "Wow, they're investigating them for possible criminal problems here." I mean, this is, you know, it's really serious. So when we look at stocks like Tesla, Apple, that Magnificent Seven, uh, there are a lot of people who have been really concerned about the valuations, really feeling like this rally is way too narrow, way overdone. And yet, if you weren't in them, you missed that rally and we're going into the year end. Is there a lot of pressure to own those names to try to make sure um, that your performance is up to snuff? for, for yeah. those in the profession? Oh, God. I mean, you wonder why the, there's been very shallow dips in these that's it's because people just launch right back into them in the other day it was the i have a custom basket it was up two percent the market was basically flat and yesterday it was down one and a half percent and today it's up 92 basis points and that you know the s p was up 12 basis points so look i i've missed these and i you know raise my hand, that's fine. But I, I just can't, from my personal investing point of view, I just can't chase these at these levels here. And, um, you know, I might or might not be short a few of them. <laughs> may or may not be. Yeah. Uh, but to that point, we talk all the time about sort of understanding your framework, right? And trying to stick to that framework, um, you know, throughout, which is so important and why we feature um, sections on that on the academy so that you know, you know. Um, we got a question. Uh, let me see who it was from. Some the names are because we have the new platform. I know for those of you who are on it, testing it out. I hope you love it. It's so fun. Um, but there, we're kind of living in two worlds right now. So some of the migration is a little bit funky. But um, Trillionex asking, what's your view on gold in an environment where the U.S. Treasury is no more? The risk-free asset. Well, gold. Uh, I've I've had a negative bias on gold for a while, and I still think it can go lower. I, I you know, the the thing is, 
this is the type of market that we've been in for the next the last couple of years where if something's working then peel, people will pile into it yeah but if it's not working it, you don't have the sponsorship there so you have the typical people that are very much long-term gold buyers or owners but you need new people to come in and chase something higher but it really hasn't worked at all as an inflation hedge which it was supposed to it you know you have the dollar that still looks positive i've been biased long the dollar and i've been as we mentioned i've been biased short bonds so you know i just it's just a big rock and i, I oh central banks are buying it left you know hand over fist well it's not moving the price higher and it's just kind of sitting there and you're not getting a yield from it so you know there's probably other things to do so look i if if all of a sudden everything goes to hell in a handbasket gold may work but at times when things sell off and you have a big dislocation in the market guess what people are going to do they're going to sell anything that's not nailed down and that will include gold it doesn't necessarily hold up in down markets if the fed says okay we're done for good now and they start cutting rates then then you probably will see gold work but as of right now i'm just sort of eh. we're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners we'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the real vision daily briefing i just want to circle back to that idea of a bond capitulation um, some people have also been talking about bond vigilantes coming back. I think you're talking about something different, though. The bond vigilantes would be people who just like are, you know, fed up with inflation and don't like the policies that people are pursuing. And even if the Fed is trying to get rates lower, just say, no way, you got to you got to pay me to hold this. Does it look the same? What, what would what do you think is the is the capitulation story really tied to the issuance, just a lack of buyers? Talk to talk to me a little bit more about what your concern is there. Right. It's look. I I think that you know a year ago, if you if well two years ago, if you were buying, if you were long the two year, and you were getting twenty basis points, you're going to be thrilled getting five percent today. And that's those are people that are going to stick and stick around with those, and that's fine. But you have a long end that I think could could dislocate, and that's the real risk in my opinion. And again, with the treasury issuance, you've got supply out there that that could possibly, you know, move rates higher. And but look, if we have a surprise that's that that becomes very inflationary, you could probably have a a, a real problem with that. Because look, I'm I'm look going back and I'm looking at like Bank of America has all their fund flows and things like that that I've looked at in the last two years. There's been huge. Uh, inflows into bonds. And of course, yeah, they're short-term bonds and they're people that are getting, you know, six-month paper and it's 5% or something, you know, fantastic. But those people that bought the long end, and let's just remember the regional banks, those geniuses that that bought all the long end paper at 1%. And now you're looking at at these, you know, trading at, you know, I don't know my rates here. Oh, 10 is at 4.25. It's they're down substantially in with their capital. So I and again, I think banks, regional banks mostly, are really at risk um, if they, you know, they. they I, I've had a conversation with a banker who handles mostly financials, 
And he said, every bank needs to raise capital, everyone. And he said, but they don't want to do it because it'll freak out the market. And people like me will short the living daylights out of the stocks, which I would. And the people that are, that are going to loan money to the banks, they don't want to be the first ones in. They want to be the last ones in. So there's this like waiting period and nothing's happened right now. So if commercial real estate starts to really weaken and they can't refi their, their debt and you know those real estate companies walk away from buildings, which is happening, that's that could be a bit of a problem. So that's those are like my doomsday type things. And uh I, I will say this, Maggie, and I I I, I will I, I should mention I'm not fully short everything. I do have things I'm long and I, I've been buying a few things. So what do you, I was just wondering about that. What do you, uh, what do you like here? Okay. So I look for things that get exhausted on the downside and I've been long utilities. I mean, that's boring, but it's, it's kind of safe. Um, some, like I bought Citibank yesterday. It, it's really beat down. It's one of the more oversold banks. They're cutting jobs. That's going to, yeah, that, they're in the headlines the for, line. for the, yeah. yeah. And so the stocks, the stocks working. It's a bit hairy, but uh, we'll see how long it lasts. Um, I think that, and and the Barclays conference, the financials conference wasn't like, didn't come out like anything, you know, dramatic or terrible yet. Um, Jamie Dimon ranted a bit about, you know, regulators and such, but so I'm buying that. I, I also bought Etsy and it's, it this, this company's really operating well. Uh, the stock's just been beat down hard. Uh, I mean, it was, I think it was like a hundred dollars just a few months ago and it's, I've, I've been buying it around 65. Wow. So I, I like this. These are some brave buys here. These are not, uh, these are not stocks on everybody's top list for sure. Well, remember when I was buying energy, I, I had all the people in the chat room, you know, the clown thing, you know, that's, we have a question about that. Um, speaking of, uh, Jonas asking, do you have an opinion about industrial commodity stocks that looked too expensive to invest, but now corrected like lithium stocks, Glencore, Alcoa, et cetera? So you reduced your energy holdings. You're looking at any of those industrial commodity stocks? I'm long U.S. Steel. It's a pretty sizable long position. I do think that they're going to sell themselves to, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I, it's that's, they're for sale. They know that they're going to sell a piece, which would probably send the stock lower. But um, I, I, I'm long that. I'm looking at uh, Alcoa. That's one that's on my radar as a buy. Copper can't get out of its own way. It's been sort of just dragging here. I mean, that's the problem in the commodity market as well. You know, we've we've seen basically the Bloomberg Commodity Index start to lift, and it's been acting better, but it's been all crude. And natural mm -hmm. gas looks terrible until it gets over three. I don't even want to look at it. Uh, but you really don't have a lot of commodity, you know, this super cycle that people talk about. It's not there yet. And if crude starts to weaken, which I think could top here, around here, um, I want to buy it on dips. So that's kind of where I'm at with, with that. Uh, Doug asking, have you been, what do you think of the ongoing uranium stock rally? Does it have legs? I had a couple of people ask me about that today, and it, you know the uranium ETF was up three percent today. Uh, it's at the top of one of my monitors, which is basically when it gets you know the furthest above the 50-day moving average. Um, 
I kind of missed that one. It, it, I liked it a little lower, but uh, I'm, you know, we'll see if it, if it keeps going. I'm, I'm not quite um, plugged in on that one as, as much as I usually am. Mm. Uh, Nathan asking, what's your time frame when you're talking about Tesla and Apple? I mean, you've consistently been kind of bearish on Tesla, although you trade in and out. We should point yeah, out, I, right? I, you talk know, about last your sentiment, year, I, but you're much more tactical with your. Yeah, I'm very position. tactical. I'm not, you know, it's like, oh, you've been short since 2011. You know, no, I, not quite. You know, <laughs> um, I, I trade around it and uh, I tr use options around it and such. But uh, yeah, last year I took great profits in it, and this year I've been adding to it as it's as it's lifted and. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But my time frame on Tesla's, I mean, I'm watching this next quarter, and I think it's going to be very much an inflection that will show that demand is weakening. So I, I'm longer term. I think the stock could be under a hundred. We'll see. I mean, it's it's a very difficult cult-like stock, and um, <laughs> I didn't have gray hair, and I had all my hair uh, before I got involved in Tesla. <laughs> And yet you bravely, you bravely stay on it, which oh, we like appreciate you for. like a moth to the flame. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy facing facing that crowd on uh, on Twitter and social media. Oh, no. Wanted, wanted to so ask you cool. about ARM. So there's going to be, uh, that stock is supposed to IPO tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Um, British semiconductor producer. I think that's going to yeah. work. Uh, I'm getting a, on my Bloomberg chat right now for hedge fund telemetry. Uh, they're setting their IPO price at $52, breaking news. So I look, it's not cheap. It's a great company. They've got good, you know, great customers. It's the float. The dynamic of the IPO is that that, that SoftBank is going to keep, I think, 90% of the float. Mm. So you're going to have this really small float and you're going to have really sticky anchor buyers. I think NVIDIA, Intel, I, who you know, all of the big tech companies are buying into it. So you're going to have this small little float. So it's probably going to go higher. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it'll probably go higher. It's not going to be like the Vietnamese electric vehicle company that has no float, but it's probably going to go higher. It's not something I'm, I'm looking to sell into. So it, it'll probably work. I mean, people are hungry for anything that's working and that's, Again, if it works, people will pile into it and run it up, you know, absurd levels like they usually do. Yeah, especially if they've been sitting on the sidelines for some other stuff. Uh, Steve S. asking, uh, CBRE and JLL took a huge fall today. Thoughts on commercial real estate? Wow, that is like the shoe that everyone is waiting for it to drop and it has not. Um, what are your thoughts? Look, there's you've got several problems that, that's happening with commercial real estate. And it's just, that's like a slow moving train wreck that everybody knows about. And, you know, they were at a conference today and they they came out and gave some weak guidance and, you know, the market, the S&P actually dropped, you know, a bit as, as they did. And I think everybody knows that banks are stuffed with a lot of commercial real estate loans. Those loans are at risk. They have to refi and you know redo their their loans. They um, a lot is coming due in 2024. You have work from home still that is a risk because companies are walking away from leases and there's really no bid to get in there and say oh I want to take up a lot of 
real estate right now in this commercial building. So it's kind of a perfect storm for them and they've weathered it so far. But if it gets a little bit unruly here and, and look, you have high rates too. So when they, you know, they're going to, they've been used to, you know, issuing debt for these low, you know, low rates. And now they've got to do it with high rates. So it's, it's a problem out there. I mean, I look, I think it's a 2024 story and that could be a, a, a real catalyst for the fed to possibly pivot. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like you're right. It's it's the it's the disaster that's out there, but there are a lot of things holding it in, and it seems like you know, so so many people have so much to lose by that thing unraveling in in, in a in a you know un- disorderly fashion. Um, last question because we're out of time. But Tony asking, does Tommy have a target for Bitcoin? God, well, I don't trade Bitcoin. I I I I, I never have. Uh, but the DeMarc indicators that I use tend to work pretty well. And currently, I mean, they, they called a pretty, they've called tops and bottoms in Bitcoin very, very well. And I occasionally will put out a tweet with the, or X or whatever I do now with X, I send out an X. I, no, I, are we, um, I feel like we're just always, I don't know what Twitter, it is, no but what. <laughs> I, I'll put it out there. 25,000 is a really important level right now. And you do have a downside to mark countdown that's pending, which other, in other words, it means that there's still risk that this can count down further. Um, I did look at it today and I'll put it out there after this on, on Twitter or X, I don't know. Um, but I think it could be in the 22,000 level. So that's a, that's a price target that I can look at and say it's possible. Wow. Okay. We got to keep our eye yeah. on that. Tommy, we always love when you come on because we can talk about everything. It is yeah, great we talk about you. everything. We yeah, did. it's I great. Think we, we, no stone unturned. Thanks so much. And thanks to all of you. Thanks for the great questions. Make sure you check out that latest episode of our special series. Larry McDonald and Luke Grumman had a must-see conversation. We're going to be talking about it all week. To make sure that you have full access, go to realvision.com forward slash, I just want to say backslash, forward slash, crash or boom to sign up and you can check out the special deals we have right now. Thanks everybody. We'll see you same time tomorrow. Take care and good luck out there. Are we in the most hated bull market in history? The S&P is up 17% so far this year and the NASDAQ 100 is up 43%. The highest number of people since 2008 are invested in the stock market, yet institutions haven't participated. And sentiment is not happy. What's going on? Well, at Real Vision, we'll be talking to the world's best investors and thinkers to answer that question in Crash or Boom, How to Profit from What's Coming. This is a really important topic, and this two-week special series starts on September the 11th with what I think is coming. I'll lay it all out for you, and then we'll hear from the others. Go to realvision.com forward slash big question to get all the details. That's realvision.com forward slash big question, all lowercase, to get all the details. Don't miss out.